So if that's not for you, then maybe skip this, skip this episode. We hope you're doing well. Jackie's sick. <laughs> you're right, it is. I'm sick. So really, the name of this game is going to be How Long Can Jackie Go Without Coughing on this episode? I like this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you? Mm. I think it's the right... It's like a little bit acidic. We did a good job picking. Oh, we did do a good job. Thanks, Publix. Good job, Publix. Okay. okay. Hi. Um, we read a book. We did. It was called The Bell Jar um, by Sylvia Plath, and it was wild. It was certainly something. It was a wild ride. Um, should we tell them what we're drinking? Yeah, let's do it. We are drinking um, Pinot Grigio from Girl and Dragon. We really liked the label. That's kind of the only thing we... Although, yeah. okay, so this is like kind of a coming-of-age novel, and so we went with like an acidic white, mm-hmm. so we just kind of got lucky that this Pinot ended up being kind of like acidic. No, yeah, it's perfect, and the the label works really well, too. Yeah, we liked the label a lot, because it's literally, like, a girl, and she's, like, all fashion-y from, like, Sylvia... Wait, what's her name in the book? Ethel? F... F... No, it's not Ethel. Ether? Etheret? Esther. There it is. (laughs) Ether is a chemical. (laughs) So, like, Esther is, like... She's, like, working in, like, the fashion age in New York City. And she's, like, 17 and, she's like, and living it. Hell yeah. And then in the background, she's got her demons. So there's, like, a dragon that kind of been, blends in with the background. Yeah. It's, um, the label could not have been more perfect. It's really this. beautiful. We got lucky. So, um, and it's very good. It's, like, pretty light and also a little bit, like, tangy. And yeah, it's, 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 it's high on the tang, <laughs> I gotta say. High on the tang. Yeah. Um, it, it bites you a little bit, which is perfect for this novel. Yeah, it does. So Jackie says she doesn't have any notes, but if you look at this, this yeah, are, this is my these are my notes. I just ready? my yep. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Maybe I'll be able to. Do that. <laughs> I just felt I have a lot of overall notes and not a lot of specific notes, and okay. I wasn't gonna type out all of my feelings. Do you have any quotes that you like? Honestly, I have like one quote. I have one on page 19. I think I probably have a couple. Okay. Why don't you just... Oh, should we talk... Okay. So we read The Belch <laughs> by Sylvia Plath. And... <coughs> oh, so we made it, what, 30 seconds without me coughing? Um, no. We're actually so, six minutes. Yeah. How much of that was you taking of the picture? Not a lot. Um, um, do you want to read the back? Oh, yeah. You want me to read the back? Um, I'm dying, so you read the back. Okay. The Belgian chronicles the crack-up of Esther Greenwood, brilliant, beautiful, enormously talented, and successful, but slowly going under, maybe, for the last time. Sylvia Plath masterfully draws the reader into Esther's breakdown with such intensity that Esther's insanity becomes completely real and even rational, as probable and accessible an experience as going to the movies. Such deep penetration into the dark and harrowing corners of the psyche is an extraordinary accomplishment and has made the Belgian a haunting American classic. It's basically an autobiography. It is. It's actually what's called a Romana Clef, which means, um, in French, that means novel with a key. Um, And it's an autobiographical novel, but she changed all the names. Right. 
There we go. That's why it was it was actually published in France before it was published yeah. in America because her family was upset about the portrayals of them in the book and so she was like they were like, Well we should publish it in France and not in America because if we publish publish it in America, then everybody's gonna know that my family sucks. Right. You know? And then they ended up publishing it in America anyways. Did you have like did you read the intro that was like told you about how the it was published? Yeah. Yeah. I also did you read like the about the author in the back? No. Written by somebody else. It's just like a quick once over Like a PS meet Sylvia Plath. Yeah, basically. Um, it was it was really nice. I don't have any notes on it. But. Oh no, I haven't I haven't read that. I should read that. Um but well, if that's you, what you were talking about, the little drawings in the back of the yes, book. Those are her drawings. Sylvia drew those. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Okay. Um, so if you listened a couple, well, a couple episodes ago, um, Chrissy actually did Sylvia Plath for one of the poetry minisodes, mm-hmm. and this is like her famous book. It's yeah. a classic. It's her only novel. Yes. And it is weird. It is weird. It is weird. Um, but Sylvia Plath was weird. If you don't like know anything about her, she suffered for in, from incredible mental illness. Yeah, like, she I, she was neurotic. I think she thought she had um bipolar disorder. And I think she had extreme bipolar disorder with like a twinge of paranoia. Mm-hmm. Um, which you could see I saw develop in this book and. Well, they say she actually exhibits a lot of the signs of um, schizophrenia, too. Yes, absolutely. So um, Not so much as the seeing and hearing, but from the paranoia, mm-hmm. which is uh, a little sidebar of schizophrenia. It's like mm-hmm. a symptom of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she like killed herself by putting her head in the oven. Yes. So, there in you go. In real life. Not in, not in the book. Not in the book. Right. In but she did attempt, so, spoiler alert, the book... I don't know why we keep saying that, because if you're listening to this, you, you know we're talking about the book, book so don't, <laughs> you know. Um, this is just like a general spoiler announcement for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no <more> spoilers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so she attempts to kill herself by swallowing a full bottle of sleeping pills. Yes. Um, she also tries to hang herself, but her house isn't fit for it. Yeah. There's just no banisters. Yeah. She tries. She actually, like, she tries a couple times, and it's interesting that each time, because, like, the body's reaction will not let you kill yourself if it can. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an it's an. How she, like, to, tries to keep herself yeah. hung. It's a, it's a bodily instinct to oh, save yourself. Oh, trigger warning. Suicidal oh, tendencies. Yeah. Um, and mental illness. And mental illness. Do you want to do, like, a quick once-over uh, summary? Sure. I think it will help as we Can you do it? Because it's yeah. been a while since I read the book. Yeah. <laughs> so it starts off with... What's her name? Esther? Esther. Okay. I will most likely, throughout this episode, switch back between Sylvia and Esther. It's the same goddamn person. Yes. Okay? Moving forward. You've been so forewarned. <laughs> um, so Esther is got a, a huge scholarship to study in New York, and she's in the fashion world. She works for a fashion magazine. She wants to be a writer. She's like, living life. She lives in this great hotel with everyone else she works with all the girls and she's invited to all these parties kind of sounded terrible honestly huh it sounded terrible to me it i i wouldn't mind that if i liked the girls i was with that's fair yeah the girl she was with i would die (laughs) i was gonna say kill myself and i feel like that was not appropriate (laughs) not not, no okay no continue so she's in new york and she just is going out to all these parties she's hanging out with her friends as she's supposed to and she's just slowly you see her have the tendencies of starting to hate everything. But not in like a cute like, I'm 17 and I hate everything. It's like she truly is falling into some type of dark space. Um, she uh, she like walks halfway across the city. Yeah. And to go home. just like 
she just leaves the party, doesn't tell anybody where she's gone. She's yeah, just like, she's Peace. she has she's impulsive as fuck. Yeah. Um, and she's very selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, but she ends up she ends up going to therapy, um, or a doctor because she feels like she can't eat and she can't sleep and she just it can't go to bed and she hates everything. And the doctor's like, you should go see a psychiatrist. So she goes to see a psychiatrist who gives her, like, all of these electroshock therapy sessions, which is just really fucking shitty. And we'll go into it. Um, and then that psychiatrist ends up, she ends up in a psych ward for a while. And then the, the, how the book ends is that she's interviewing to get out of the psych ward because she has made progress and she can live in society and no longer be a danger to herself and others. Mm-hmm. And the book ends with her walking into that interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a quick once over. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm Did I miss? That's okay. Did I miss anything big that we're not going to hit? I don't think so. Okay. I think you're good. I really, well, I have overall thoughts, but we can save those if you want. Okay. Um, um, I have my first, well, so my first quote, um, is in not until page 146. And it's also my only quote. Okay. I have one on 19. Um, just. I identified with this. That appealed to me about as much as stuffing a dirty, scrawled-over letter into a fresh, clean envelope. I just identified with that. I don't know why. Just really did. Um, and then... Oh. Um, I have one on 55. Okay. From the fig tree story. <gasps> I love that story. I didn't understand it. No? So, here's the quote. It says... I wanted to crawl in between those black lines of print the way you crawl through a fence and go to sleep under that beautiful big green fig tree. I just didn't understand it. Like, was it supposed to be a metaphor for her life, or did she just like that story, or... I believe it's a metaphor for her father, who died. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So her father died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that probably triggered her mental illness, it seems, her father dying abruptly. I think... Because I think right. she was closer to her father than her mother. I don't think she ever really loved her mother. And so that was the only one she had left. Also, she didn't say she had a brother until page like 150. I know. I was like, I'm sorry, you have a brother? Uh, he, and he's like not really even involved <laughs> no. in the story at all. Which like, which maybe just proves how irrelevant he was to her life. I have to say, I liked the book, but I felt like it almost... It felt like a stream of consciousness book to me. I wrote it. It's they did that on purpose because she's neurotic. That's how her mind works. That's wild. Um, I didn't realize that until page one hundred three. Because while I'm reading this, I'm like, I don't know what this book is about. Right. But I was like, it's about her. It's yeah, she's it's neurotic, about- and that's why the book is written the way it is because that's how her mind works. It it jumps from timelines and it jumps to stories, and nothing necessarily is intertwined with it's other. It's not things. really a storyline or a plot. I mean, there right. is. It's like it's. The plot is that she's descending into madness, but right. like but the book she doesn't written, even really see it. Right. The book is written in a way how a neurotic person thinks. Yeah. And like that's why it was so strange. Yeah, it was, it was really weird. As, like as I lay dying, like it was all out of time whack. And that just I figured that just must yeah. be really exhausting. I have a couple. I have one quote on seventy five or sorry seventy six. One on eighty five. When was yours? One forty six. Oh, I also have one, too. Okay. Um, on four, 146. I'm sure. So I'll let you read it, though. Um, so 76, I have... The trouble was, I hated the idea of serving men in any way. <laughs> same. Girl, same. <laughs> she's, like, she's, like, thinking about all the things that she could do and, like, how she could be a mother or how she could be a wife. And, like, she's really not into that dude. But, like, she's, like, maybe it should be Oh, yeah. Dude. I totally skipped over that. 
Oh, yeah. I, Sorry. Yeah. So she, like, was sort of going to marry this dude, and then she was like, I don't really like you. And he had tuberculosis, so he was up in some hospital. I definitely want to talk about her overreaction to him. To him, yeah, sleeping with another We'll talk one. about it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's a sign of the times, but, yeah. Yeah, but she's not so fucking clean her goddamn self. Fair. Um, okay, and then 85, I wrote... And I knew that in spite of all the roses and kisses and restaurant dinners, a man showered on a woman before he married her. What he secretly wanted when the wedding service ended was for her to flatten out underneath his feet like Mrs. Willard's kitchen mat. Ooh, did I read that? I, it was, she has a lot of like... She's a lot of shit like that. She has a lot of like pro-women, anti-marriage, anti-establishment, anti-men stuff in here. Which gets repetitive. It does, but some Is of it's it like, you? that's an interesting take. You know, yeah. like that. I've, yeah, I don't know. I'll shower you and love it just you. very. It felt very cynical. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, she's a cynical person. Um, hates her. Hates her. Hates her. Ah, that's funny. Actually, I think you told me that when we did the hates her. Oh my god. Okay. Um. Why don't you read what you have on one forty six? I knew you would decide to be all right again. Yeah, that's. I, that's yeah. her, yeah, that's after her very first electroshock therapy where her, where Sylvia or Esther is like, I'm good, like, I don't want to do that again. And her mom's like, great, I knew you decided to be all right. I literally, I literally, I literally wrote, um, fuck you, question mark. I wrote so many problems with this yeah. in all caps. Who wouldn't pretend to be okay to not go to that? And also, that just proves that she's not going to go seek any more therapy because if that's what it's going to be, fuck that. Yeah. I'd rather live with my intrusive thoughts and be weird than be electrocuted. Yeah. Yeah. Which I realize is why the book opened up with the electrocution of the Rosenbergs. Oh. It, was, it, was, it was a full circle thing. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't make that connection. I, I kind of forgot that's how the book started. I'm pretty good at overarching connections, but not so great at small details. Mm. It's a part of my memory. I'm the other way. I'm the other way. I'm oh, like, that's why I'm we're like, doing this. Yeah. Um, okay. I have one on 185 that says, I knew I should be grateful to Mrs. Guinea, only I couldn't feel a thing. If Mrs. Guinea had bought me a ticket to, a, to Europe or around the world cruise, it wouldn't have made one scrap of difference to me because wherever I sat, on the deck of a ship or at a street cafe in Paris or Bangkok... I would be sitting under the same glass bell jar, stewing in my own sour air. Y'all know so, what a bell jar is, right? It's a jar shaped like a bell. It's like... You put over a rose. Yeah. You think Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. Bell jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's saying that she's stuck there, and it doesn't matter where she goes, like, the environment's not the problem, she is the problem. Yeah. And, but, what made me think of it, like, what that made me think of is, like, the, the textbook depression where like I don't feel anything it's not that I don't I feel sad oh it's yeah just, it's just there's nothing I feel nothing yeah which is not it's better to be feel sad than to feel nothing yeah so that's I don't know it's just interesting to try and grasp at little things so my last it's actually my last note but it's in quotes and it's also about the bell jar it says to the person in the bell jar blank and stopped as a dead baby the world itself is a, is the bad dream and I made the connection that she pulled the bell jar analogy from the pickled fetuses at... Whoa! Yeah. Didn't catch that. Yeah, so the bell jar analogy is from, like, when she... Her fiancé or whatever... Yeah, at the time. Um, he was in med school, and so she went to go visit him, and he's like, look at all these things that are pickled in jars so we can study them, like fetuses. And she's just like, ew. I would have loved it. Well, she, no, she liked no, it. No, she kind of liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Everything changed the day we saw the baby born. The one thing she... I guess... Actually, I think I wrote that down somewhere. 
I thought it was interesting that the first time we hear she actually likes something isn't on page is not until page twenty four, hmm. which is food. Food is good. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So this is the first time she says I like blank. Can we talk about her friend at the beginning, Doreen? Yeah. So Sylvia's like, <sighs> all right. So I have a note on chapter two. Okay. The entirety of chapter two. This is when her and Doreen are at that club with those guys and Sylvia like leaves Doreen there to go home and then like Doreen shows up at her door clearly drunk as fuck and, and she just leaves her in the hallway I put this girl is dot 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 kind of a bitch yeah like who, first of all who leaves their I guess maybe it was times or whatever but who leaves their friend at a party with guys they don't know yeah. hello you're gonna be abused who then walks home or taxis home I don't remember I think she walked home that night why why'd you do that then she goes to sleep and she wakes up to bang on her door and obviously it's Doreen. Well, it's the maid who brought Doreen up to the door. Mm-hmm. And Doreen's like puking and Sylvia's like trying to figure out a way to just leave her there. Fuck you. Yeah. And she does. She yeah. leaves her in the hallway. Yeah. That You're a bad person. Bad friend. Yes. Bad friend. Oh, I wrote that too. I said, hello, this girl is a terrible friend, question mark. Yeah, she's she's like, like, oh, Doreen asked me to stay. I'm a dip. Also, Doreen is drunk and needs a bed. I'm going to just let her think she passed out in the hall. Yeah. I. Oh, my God. And I have to say, my either our love for true crime or my studies have corrupted any book I've ever read. Because on page 23, it says, when Doreen's body is gone and there seems to be a red stain, I'm like, oh, my God, there's been a murder. She died. <laughs> Which was not real. No. I got to say, I... So every chapter was like a random story and nothing really mattered. Nothing really connected. Yeah. And I hated that. I never got any follow up from the stories. Like yeah. I want to know what happened. It's just kind of like it's almost like she's telling stories just to get it out. It's like she's talking to one of the, another person in the asylum who yeah. anyone who will listen to her about a certain story and that's just it. Yeah. I don't like it. Um I have um I noted on page 13 already that I got a sense of a woman who was not in control of her own life. Where so she's like just like, parents? no, like she, she's just going through the motions oh. and she like doesn't know how to take control and say, I don't like this. I don't want this. I don't want to do this. Like she's like, she just does what she's told and what she's supposed to do. And like, she's just not, she doesn't have the energy or the will, or maybe it's her mental illness, but like, she's right. just not. She's letting her mental illness drive her life. Hmm. On page 13, you got that? Yeah. Oh, jeez, I did not get that. Oh, my God. She ate the flowers in the hand-washing bowl. I laughed so hard. Oh, I can't tell you how many times people have done that. I'm sure that's a yeah. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. I have uh... I do not. Oh, I Googled it, and Tomei? When they got the food poisoning? Yeah. That's not actually a source of food poisoning. Why didn't we it get used to follow be. up with that it story? Used to, I don't know. They're just like, oh, we all almost died. That's it. I'm trying to like... I wonder if that's where she got the idea of like dying by like ingesting nope. stuff. But she stopped eating. When? Well, she said she couldn't, she couldn't sleep or eat. Remember she like... Cooked the corn dog and then buried it in the sand. Oh, yeah. She just, like, stopped eating. But that's unrelated, isn't it? Well, you said ingesting things. Oh, well, yeah, but, like, the one that, like, almost worked was the pills. Oh. 
Interesting that she chose the cellar. Like, did she not think her mom wouldn't find her? Her mom didn't find her for days. But, like, what was her long-term plan with that? To die before anyone could find her. Oh. Oh. So she was fine with people finding her, but she wanted she to die just before didn't, it happened. She wanted to die before it happened, yeah. So she was like, she was like, if I go down here and I tell them I'm going on a walk, they're going to go out and look for me, and by the time they figure out that I'm right here... Um, and she, like, walled herself in. Like, I don't really understand what she did. She, like, she, like, created this little cubby for herself, is what it seemed like to me. I'm more interested in the fact that she did all these things and then wrote a novel about it. Yeah. Like, I... First of all, I can't imagine the energy it takes to do that. So, from somebody who doesn't... Like, that's something she clearly wanted to do. I want to know why she wanted to do it. I just... I want to have a conversation with her. And I can't. She's dead. She's dead. Um. Oh. One oh nine. I wrote. Um. This is when she's at the party and the guy like, like pins her down outside. Oh yeah. And I go, is he gonna rape her? Marco sucks. Why do all of the men in this book suck? That's Why does she hate. suck? Basically, <laughs> this whole. <laughs> like I say, I really didn't like this book. And no. I was I was frustrated because I thought I would because I liked Celia Plath's poetry. Mm-hmm. But I liked the book for what it was. It's not something I would ever read again. I appreciate the book for what it was. I didn't like it, though. Like, I it, yeah. I think it got across what it... I think it did what it was trying to do. Right. I just didn't like what it was trying to do. Right. Um, can we talk about her just letting go of all of her clothes on the roof? Yeah. That seems really cathartic, though. Like, I... Jockfield. <laughs> I get that. But like she spent all this money on all of this these nice clothes and she's like, instead of packing, I'm just gonna toss it to the city. Like, well, I wonder if it was just too exhausting to pack. And also if she already was struggling with the mental illness, she doesn't really need clothing. That's fair. And she she ended up turning into more of a convenience thing, like when she was finally in the asylum. She always wore her PJs because what was the point of taking them off if you're always gonna go get them back on again? Right, so like, why need all the clothes if you're just gonna wear one thing for one day? You don't need all these clothes. So I think it, it kind of is all the same Interesting. idea. Interesting. Um, did she eat that egg and hamburger without cooking them? Yeah. Wild. I'm pretty sure in her head it was like, it all ends up in my stomach anyway, so who cares how. It's part of, like, I think that's all the same, which I did appreciate that continued trope. Um... I have a Which question is just wild, but yes. About um, schizophrenia. Yeah. So I know we talked a little bit about how um, it's like the paranoia is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, are hallucinations a thing? Not for her, but for schizophrenia. But well, not because I wrote that she same. was she was hallucinating on page one twenty four. Really? So oh. when she says, "My eyes sank through an alphabet soup of letters to the long word in the middle of the page." I counted the letters. There were exactly a hundred of them. I thought this must be important. Um, why should there be a hundred letters? Haltingly, I tried the word aloud. It sounded like a heavy wooden object falling downstairs. Boom, boom, boom. Step after step. Lifting the pages of the book, I let the fan slow, them fan slowly by my eyes. Words dimly familiar but twisted all awry, like faces in a funhouse mirror, fled past, leaving no impression on the glassy surface of my brain. I squinted at the page. The letters grew barbs and ram's horns. I watched them separate, each from the other, and jiggle up and down in a silly way. Then they associated themselves in fantastic, untranslatable shapes like Arabic or Chinese. I decided, I decided to junk my thesis. I didn't take that as literal. I took that as literal. Oh, shit. 
That's what Google's for, right? Because where else would she have hallucinated? Like, I feel like if she was hallucinating, it would have come up more than once. Um, oh, I wrote on page 136, um, the writing of the book is jumping around like she's losing time or having trouble stringing thoughts together. Yeah, that's clear. I was confused on how she got out of the cellar. Like, how did they find her in the cellar? Um, they found her because she was groaning. And so her mom followed the noise. And when she, like, pulled back all of the stuff that she barricaded herself with, she found her and called the ambulance. And the fire people came and got her. There's something called the Sylvia Plath effect. What's the Sylvia Plath effect? Is the phenomenon that poets are more susceptible to mental illness than other creative writers. The term was coined in 2001. This early finding has been dubbed the Sylvia Plath effect, and implications and possibilities for future research are discussed. Interesting. Okay. Plath recalls the act of dreaming, presenting her protagonist's surroundings as a, as a hallucination. The bell jar's inaugural scene, like the devil's questions, its own veracity, um, reflecting the hazy state of both character and landscape. Well, I don't know why where I got that from then, but I think I, I must have noticed it while I was... Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I read that one part as a hallucination. You know, like as I don't, you, literal. You might not be wrong. I just think it depends on how you how you read, read it. it. Either way, bitch got issues. She got issues. Um, what else do I have in my notes? Yeah. Um. It's all in what here. was up? Oh, Joan. Joan was a lesbian, and that's why she was in the asylum. Do we want to talk about that? We definitely want to talk about that. Um, which I, you didn't find out she. You didn't find out she was gay until, like, the end-ish. Yeah. But... Is Joan the one who killed herself? Yes. Yeah, okay. Right, I wrote 235. What the fuck, Joan? How did she do it again? She hung herself in the woods. That's right. That's right, they found her by the frozen sea. Or frozen river or whatever. Um, I guess... I, I couldn't find any reason that she was in the asylum other than... Gay was considered a mental illness back then. Yeah. Which is so sad. Well, so was hysteria. Like, women PMSing. Yeah. Getting your period, you could go into the asylum for, like, one week a month. Yeah. Um, why did she bleed so much? She hemorrhaged. Why? I think it was from increased blood pressure, right from the adrenaline, and her, it's like 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 a bad blood clot. Well, she got... So how did birth control work back then? Because she had something placed there. And I thought... I Like, she went to the doctor and, like, she was worried about having a baby. So the doctor was like, I can help you with that. And he, like, placed something in her vagina. Birth control of the 30s. Because I wrote on page 229, I read, okay, how did birth control work then? I am confusion. I didn't realize that. But yeah, I guess you're right, because she was like, I'm glad they placed it there because I would not have taken a pill. She said, I thought how lucky it was I had started practicing birth control during the day because in my whiny state that night, I would never have bothered to perform the delicate and necessary operation. Yeah, that's a condom. But what... Wouldn't it be? What else would it be? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how it worked back then. Was it the pill? Was it like... I didn't know if, like, maybe... Because have you seen, like, the... Like, they have the rings. Like, I didn't know if they had, like, a ring that they placed. 
Oh, that, that would, as like, would every have day. blocked would have blocked any sperm. I don't know. Wow, I I just was very confused about the whole like I understood that she hemorrhaged, but I didn't get why. I assumed it was an increased blood pressure thing, and because she was so unhealthy already, her body couldn't handle it. Well, because and then what was it? Um, two thirty. There was a lot I didn't understand in this book. Um, when the doctor was like. It's one in a million it happens to like this. Um, I can see exactly where the trouble is coming from. But can you fix it? Oh, I can fix it all right. The only thing here it says, 1930s, numerous chemicals were investigated for potential spermicides. The work led to the setting up of a standardized testing of spermicides and their effectiveness. During the 1950s, more effective chemicals were developed. That's it. Just chemicals. I'm going to Google the Bell Jar Birth Control. Okay. And see what that... Because maybe there's something that will explain. She uses a diaphragm. That's what I thought. Gotcha. So it gets placed and maybe they, maybe... It slipped or something? It slips or he <coughs> pushes it in too far or something, but it damages her cervix or something like that. And that's why she hemorrhaged. Oh, I did not know that. That's terrifying. Ugh. It sounds, it looks terrible. It contracts and flattens when you inhale. This creates a vacuum effect that pulls air into the lungs when you... No, honey, that's oh, your actual God. diaphragm. That's not the birth control. I was reading that's... this and not this. <laughs> it's like, like you breathe like, with your diaphragm. That's like, it's like, that's yeah. what's under your lungs. And when you breathe in, that's... Singers breathe with their diaphragms. So, anyways, I just thought that was wild and I didn't understand and... Um, okay, well, glad we took the time. Um... Have we not hit on anything that you want to hit on? Um, I'd like you want to, to talk about Buddy? Yeah, let's talk about Buddy. So Buddy Woodard, Willard? Willard. Willard is her uh, high school fiance. sweetheart. Yeah. And she like was like fine going to marry him, but not like really wanted to marry him. Well, it was like she had a crush on him like forever. And then as soon as he started to like her, she was like, I don't like you anymore. Because he's a hypocrite, according to her. Yeah. And that meant that he act all innocent, but in fact has already had sex. So I guess that is a point of contention. But like, I don't know. I don't know. What I, what, but what I noticed though, like what I wrote, down was that she didn't seem to care that he'd had sex. She cared that he'd, like, he made it out like he hadn't. Like, How he wasn't he man enough. Out, well, he wasn't man enough to, like, come right out and say, like, I have sex. I guess. But, like, do you tell people that on a first date? Well, no, but if they've been engaged or they've been dating for, like, three years. Were they engaged at that point? They weren't engaged, but they were, like, it was expected. I they'd guess. been together for a while. But I also know that of the times that's not something you talk about so how else are you supposed to i don't know i just was it's wild to me that it matters but again this is 2019 and not 1930 well this took place in the 50s i think she was born oh i guess i'm at that age yeah, yeah. okay still that shit's all the same yeah i guess i just thought it was iffy and i think that he's a good guy i think he's a mama's boy i don't really like him you don't like mama's boys? I mean, I do. I'm not saying that's like basis for not liking him, but I just, I think that like he puts his relationship with his mom before his relationship with Esther. And like, mm. 
if you're gonna marry this girl, that's not. I wonder if that's a coping mechanism because Esther is a terrible girlfriend. Yeah, she is a terrible girlfriend. But like, why is he dating her then? I think that they were dating each other because they both came from good families with good prospects, and that's how it was back then. Yeah. Well, so he's a mama's boy. He's doing it because his mom is like, she's a good match. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I don't really like him. He annoyed me. I, I, he just like... She annoyed me more than he annoyed me. Really? Yeah. I, I mean... T- I did not like this book. Like... I mean, that's... I appreciate... You the, don't have to like it. I appreciate yeah. the mental illness, but God, she's annoying. I'm <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> I... It's not that I didn't like her, and it's not even that I liked her. It's that I kind of felt bad for her because like... Like I said, I felt like she wasn't driving her own life. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I felt like she wasn't in control of her own life. And if she could just, like, figure out how to get past her mental illness and, like, take control of the things she could, I thought, I think I would have liked her more. Did her parents suffer from any mental illnesses? Because usually they're genetic. I don't know. I'm not about to Google that. I don't care that much. Hmm. I don't know. But I do know that her mom published a book a couple years later. Really? With her side of the story. And they were, like, letters from Sylvia. Now that I'd be interested in. Yeah. What's so, it called? I guess I didn't Google it. I have no idea. Could not tell you. But um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'd read it again. No, I don't think I'd recommend it to anybody. I would recommend it as a book that should be read, but not necessarily enjoyed. Like, like for me, like 1984 by George Orwell. Like I don't really like that book, but. I think you should, it read, should it. read it. Yeah. Hmm. I guess I. What I, I so what I like about this book is that it made mental illness approachable in a time when that was not okay. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Like it. Well, this didn't become a classic until afterwards. Well, she was a widely read. Accepted. She was a widely read poet until the 50s, and she was like she was like the last widely read poet of America. I do think though that her. In poetry, you can disguise mental illness and make it a bit more I know, socially acceptable. I know, but what I'm saying is that she was widely read, so when they published her book, it had kind of become like this thing where people were like, we want to read Sylvia Plath's novel. Oh, because they liked it. And oh, so gotcha, they read, right, right, because right. they knew Sylvia Plath. Right. And so they read the book, even though, like, it's not a great book. They read it because they knew her from her poems, because she wrote so many poems and they were so well known. Um, and so I think... This book paved the way for open conversations about mental illness I because anybody who didn't have mental illness was able to understand or at least like see what it's like for someone who was mentally ill. Oh, I you have know a what question. I'm saying? Yeah. This is totally off topic. I'm so okay. sorry. You're good. Mm-hmm. You're good. So you know how the first uh, um, electroshock therapy she had it was like horrible, and the second one she was asleep for it. How? I have no idea. How did that happen? I don't know. I I want to know if like, because the first one really seemed like straight up torture. Oh, that electroshock therapy is torture. Right. Yeah, it's not actually doing anything. Well, the ones after that didn't seem so bad because she fell asleep. I wonder if it's not actually. I wonder if they just put her to sleep. They might have. And make it like a placebo thing. Also, hilariously, inject her with insulin. That's not okay. Like, three times a day? Yeah. That's not okay. No. They didn't know, though. You know? I think they knew. I think they knew what they were doing, and I didn't think that they... They were like, we're injecting her with all of this sugar, and the sugar is going to change 
the way her brain mechanisms work and she's going to start eating again which will like it's an indirect like just tell her that's what you're doing don't tell her that injections won't you know what i mean yeah it's like, it's like cloaked behind this that, that i think is fair but what i like if somebody were to do all of that today fuck no get them out of the hospital get them out of healthcare in general i totally understand i'm with you 100 percent on that i think it's like you have to understand that they I don't think they knew any better at the time. Really? I really don't. Why would it have been so widespread? I think they knew better than they let on. And I think because it wasn't incredibly developed or able to be developed at the time, they said, we'll do everything we can and not tell people we know other How is it any different than, like, using radium and everything? Nobody knew that radium was radioactive and was going to kill everybody from the inside out. I think they knew what insulin was doing is the difference. Okay, so you're only talking about insulin, though? Because yeah, I'm talking about this instance. Okay, because it seemed like you were talking about, like, all of their health care. Oh, no, like, no, the insulin. Okay. The insulin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's not cool. No. I would be cooler if they told them what they were doing. That's the thing. They didn't... That's they the same, but that's the same argument she has with Buddy. She'd be cooler if he told her. I'd be cooler, too, but I don't think that... I think that the insulin changing my body matters to me more than if my partner sleeps with somebody else. Because, like, nowadays, it's like, this is a pill, and it's going to do this to your brain. Do you want to take it? Instead of, turn around and give me your butt so I can shoot you with this stuff, and I'm not going to tell you what it does. Like, you know? That's fair. That's what I I mean. Not, like, the actual practice of it. The fact that they didn't tell them what they were doing. And I still think that was pretty widespread, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's a sign of the times, because, like... Really? For, I mean, when medicine first started, they were like, everybody come watch me saw this guy's leg off with nothing but a rag in his mouth because we don't know what an- like anesthesia is, you know? like. But that's what they didn't know what it was, but, but they knew what insulin was. How do you know that? They said that they did! Okay, insulin shock therapy. Form of psych- psychiatric treatment was introduced, oh, in which patients were repeatedly injected with large doses of insulin in order procure, to procure, produce daily comas over several weeks. So they're doing it to put her to sleep for the electroshock therapy. That it was introduced sense. in 1927 by Austrian-American psychiatrist Manfred Sakel, used extensively in the 1940s and 1950s, mainly for schizophrenia, before falling out of favor and being replaced by neuroleptic drugs in the 1960s. So number one of a number of physical treatments introduced into psychiatry in the first four decades of the 20th century. These included the convulsive therapies, um, cardiazole slash metrazole therapy and electroconvulsive therapy, um, deep sleep therapy and psychosurgery, insulin coma therapy, and the convulsive therapies are collectively known as the shock therapies. So they did know what they were doing. So they did know what they were doing, but they were... I'm with you. I think they should have told her why they were doing it. Which um, is my only qualm. Yeah, I just, I do think, I think when it comes to medical stuff, like, when you read, I just think, like, you have to read it with a grain of salt. You have to take it all with a grain of salt, because obviously, like, if it were happening now, that's nothing like how she would be treated. No, for sure. It's she, yeah. So, I just... They also might have told her, and she doesn't remember it, mm-hmm. because she's in a coma. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. I don't know enough about medical stuff. That's my only point. I, I read it all with a grain of salt, so, like, I get your point. I just don't... It doesn't bother me as much because, like, I know that's not how it would happen today. Like, it makes me mad that it happened that way then, but, like, there's nothing I can really do about that, so it doesn't... Oh, it, it doesn't make me so mad, you know? 
Um, I don't have any other points. I didn't write this book. Didn't take notes on it. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like normally you take more notes on books you don't like than books that you do. I was just so fed up that I didn't want to take the energy. Like, I was like, this is all dumb. Gotcha. <laughs> Just check and see if there's anything else. Like just like Sylvia Plath, I just have no thoughts. <laughs> no thoughts. Oh my god. Um, no, I think I think her problem is she had too many thoughts. Well, that's what it is. She had too many thoughts. <laughs> oh, Sylvia, I, this was a weird book. Is this gonna ruin her poetry for you? No. Good. No, I won't. So why do you like her poetry more than her book? Because her poetry has a beginning and an end, and I know what's happening. And the book jumps all over the place and none of it matters, in my mind. Interesting. I also think her, I think that her her poems have a point of view, whether that is, like, this poem is really tangible and this poem is visceral and this poem is sad. This one's like, I feel nothing about everything, but here's my life story. I just, there's no, nothing to grab onto. It's hard to explain. There's just, there's more substance to her poems for me. Yeah. In her book. I think it's what's... Hmm. I get that. I I haven't read enough of her poetry. I really only read, like, the ones that... that the shorter did. ones yeah. so that I could read, you know, write them. But I think... I don't know. I liked the book because it gave me insight into something that I have no insight into. Which is what? Mental illness. Oh. Like, the way it gotcha. makes you think. Yeah. So that's what I liked about it. I I actually found it very easy to read. I read it very Ooh. quickly. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah, I, this was it was a quick book. Um, and I thought it was gonna take me much longer. Actually, really? yeah, I did. I thought it was gonna take me a long time. That's why I started it so early. So I was like, oh. I was like, this is a book about mental illness, and it's gonna take me a while to like digest everything and understand. And I flew through it. That's because it, there's no substance. Yeah, but I I don't know. I. For some reason, I don't want to say I don't like the book because, like, oh, yeah, the dog, I, that's yeah. I just like I will never read it again and won't recommend it. But you yeah. would, and that's the difference. That's the difference. So, I would recommend it for people who want a glimpse into that, like mental illness. I guess, like, if you if you are trying to understand somebody who's going through mental illness, like, you can't do it unless you been through it like you don't you don't understand it unless you've been through it and this is the closest i'm going to come to going through it hopefully you know <laughs> yeah hopefully <laughs> so i don't know i think i think that's where i'll leave that um i might actually read it again really yeah good for you i would never read the handmaid's tale again though see i love that <laughs> so just different tastes in books yeah this is gonna go on my bookshelf and it will never be touched again Fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally fair. So, so next month <laughs> we're gonna read Emma by Jane Austen um, in December. So that will come out in the new year. Woo, guys! Twenty twenty. What are your resolutions? I don't care. I actually don't care. Don't tell me about them. Jackie thinks resolutions are dumb. I do. Um, I'm starting to get there. I'm like, I'd rather set like. Overarching goals. goals. Yeah. Why do you need the new year to do resolutions start now? Yeah. Now you'll be 14 days ahead or wherever. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, get Emma and start now. Read the book. 
Also, and if you or someone you love is struggling with mental illness, please go to therapy. Therapy's great. Been there, done it, doing it. Love it. Yes. And um, thanks for listening, even though um, we didn't have a lot to say. Yeah. Um, if you have more or think we should have talked about something else or you want your thoughts, let bitches know. Maybe That's us. We are bitches. We're the bitches. Maybe we, maybe we're, we missed a big metaphorical point of this book. Yeah, that's very possible. I didn't understand a lot of this book. So, like, if you're a Sylvia Plath, like, guru, let us know. Yeah. And tell us your thoughts, and we'll make it right. Exactly. So. With that. Facebook. Twitter. Instagram. Not LinkedIn. <laughs> I almost said it again. Enjoy um, the time with your family and friends during the holidays. Yes, be like bees and give to your favorite podcast for bees. that's us. I hope and um, for the giving season. And um, we'll see you in the next episode, which we already recorded. Okay. Yee. <laughs> that was the most delicate yee. <laughs> you like, okay. Oh, thank so, Oh. Wow. I didn't take a picture with the bottle in the book. <laughs> well, what would you like to do now? <laughs> How do we proceed? Um, we'll finish the bottle and then we'll do... An empty one. An empty one with the book. I can piss in it if you want. It'll be the oh same color. <laughs> no. No? Oh, okay. No.